you. And now, about the witness, a man choking to death and an errant piece of bread on the awesome crushing might of the U Gene S. Robinson show stop it! Welcome, my friends. To a show that apparently never ends. Sorry. Oh, what? I got to go hungry and thirsty because you want to show? Hey, welcome, Mr. D.E. All right. This is the version number uh, two. Ten of the UGS Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, UGS Robinson. And uh, there was no fight this past weekend, but that's fine. Because this is not an MMA show, technically. I do want to talk about Gilbert Burns. I got some stuff I want to talk about. It's coming up next week. But, of course, right after we finish the show, last week, what happened? Yeah, yeah, buddy. And uh, I'm reading, and I was like, well, if by the time I get to Sunday, people have made my point, I won't do anything on it. Nobody's made my point. Nobody. Whoopi Goldberg got close, but took it from the moneyed side of the equation. But first, let Bob Riley sing us in as he has since 2007. Stigmata, intro. All of nothing from the calling of the just. I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look. At your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, that record is still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer, <laughs> shoot you to death in the nightclub, and run your mayor pro tem out of town. Uh, buy it. Rev there you go. There you go. That's what I'm playing it off of. Of course, you can listen to it on the web. Or you could also own a copy. I, they haven't ordered from me in a while because, of course, naturally I put it out. So, excuse me. So maybe maybe this is something that they don't have anymore. Um, if you're interested in buying the CD, if you recall what a CD is, if you have a CD player uh, and you're interested, you can let me know. And that kicks off the commercial portion of the show right now. Pinko, P-I-N-K-O, 9 5014 at yahoo.com if you want to donate money to the show through PayPal. If you want to do Venmo, I believe it's Eugene-Robinson-28. That's either Venmo or Cash App. If you want to do Venmo or Cash App, I can't remember which. It's Planet Oxbow. Um, and if you want to go through Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the stomper. 
So I've remembered it all. These are places where you can donate to the show if you care to do so. One of you very cleverly sent me via Instagram, and I am Mr. Sleep, the number three at Instagram, had sent me uh, a thing that if you had $2,000, Mr. Robinson, what would you do? I'd say I'd probably buy a new laptop and another light and a mic to do the show on. He goes, okay, oh, yeah, I'll send it to you by PayPal. All you have to do is click on the link I send you. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish somebody would make an emoji that has this happening in it. The universal the universal jerking things off. Speaking of jerking things off, let's get to it. <laughs> let's get right to it. So, um well let's 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 go back through time a little bit. Let's go back through time uh a, a little bit. Okay. So, uh let's go about 7 days specifically. So we finished a show. Last week's show was finished a little bit early, kind of like this one, but for a very specific reason. Last week, I figured, well, I don't know how many of you who would watch this would also be watching the Oscars, but maybe a fair share of you. Also, I want to get to my day. Also, you know, I want to have the show done by the time the kids' nap time had come. So there were a lot of motivating reasons for me to get the show done. I was barely, I mean, listen, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and they have the awards, the SAG Awards. And one of the things, one of the nice perks you get if you're a member in good standing of the Screen Actors Guild is they send you all the screeners. So you get to see all these movies. You know how many years of screeners I have piled up on a bookshelf behind me? I have a lot. And there are movies out there from people who I like that I haven't bothered to watch. Idris Elba, where he plays the warlord. I, I got that. And I just, every time I get to watch it, I'm like, eh. I, I kept the old laptop specifically because it's got a, a, a drive for your disk drive so I can watch movies on my laptop and I got it all stacked up. And it, it, it kind of, like, Winch, specifically, John Nash said on the last uh, If the Shoes Fit, he made a very big claim. I just saw a flash of light, like somebody took a photograph. Let's not think about what that was. If I pass out on the show or something, this is what happened. But John Nash made the claim, a, com- a completely compelling claim, that Hollywood is dead. And this is especially painful for guys of my age grouping or those of you who are fans of cinema because you thought that the 70s was an evolutionary twirl that would just get, end up getting better and better. The 70s that gave us Coppola, that gave us uh, uh, Scorsese, that gave us uh, Robert Altman, that gave us David Lynch, that gave us John Watt. You know, that these, that these were compelling times that would evolve into something really cool. And instead what we get... Michael Bay, and not only Michael Bay, but Michael Bay doing this sackcloth and ashes deal where Michael Bay is going, Steven Spielberg told me not to do another Transformers. Uh, Maybe he even told you not to do a Transformers, but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. Ah, Mr. Is, there you go. So, uh, you know, and at this point, everybody wants to blame, you know, Scorsese. He's an old guy. He wants to blame the Marvel's character universe, MCU. And I'm going to have to say, Hey, listen, I'm a big comic book fan from back in the day. And I I also saw some of the last four few Scorsese movies. That's not the issue. You know, listen, a uh, guy who I just mentioned, uh, John Waters, can't get a movie made. Can't get the financing to make a movie. Uh, Robert Duvall, who's directed movies before, The Apostle being one of them, Robert Duvall is trying to make a movie for like the last five years, can't get financing on it. Now I say financing, then you do what Coppola did. You go, you know what? I need your financing. I put my own money into the movie. 
okay, that's a good that's a good way to go. But not everybody's in a position to be able to do that. But anyway, so Hollywood is dead, and 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 I, I, fundamentally, the like Chuck D says the movies they make, or is it Big Daddy Kane? Don't appeal to me, right? It's like I just got you know at this point now I don't have any clocks around here that run backwards, so I. <laughs> I need to parcel out my time in a really creative in a comfortable way and seeing crap, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. So, and, and, and listen, this, it's not, it's not the problem. It's not the problem of the Marvel characters universe. Those are the big blockbusters. They're making lots of movies, but if you watch IFC or you watch one of these other kind of off channels, canal plus, uh, you know, you see lots of indie indie features. And I have to say, I've been watching lots of indie features you know, well-made, expertly made uh, uh, movies, but that are clearly never going to make multi-millions of dollars, which has become the name of the game. But that's not even the issue. The issue is, eh, like, think, of, I'll put this out there. I'll put this out there for you. Why is it so hard to make a horror movie that works? Now, I don't know if you've been a fan of horror movies, um, but listen, I've watched two or three horror movies in which an unnamed force does something magical and they tie it into something. They say, okay, well, the problem with horror movies is people don't, there's no sense of mystery. So people, because people have, have mystery themselves out by, you can't, you can't introduce Frankenstein and expect people to be, unless you're doing some kind of Gothic thing. So it has to say to tie into, Oh, I'm an extraterrestrial force. That's now inherit, inheriting the body of a serial killer. That's now, ah, Ah, you just can't. Well, you know why? Because and look, in the 40s, who did they have working on films in the 40s? F. Scott Fitzgerald. went to. It didn't do him any good. He became a, a penniless drunk. But F. Scott Fitzgerald went to Hollywood, started writing films. They got Bud Schulberg written books. They got all these cats. They start making movies from uh, uh, Hemingway, from books. That generation passed. The Young Turks of the, the 70s were, um, yeah, you know, Scorsese said he based... Uh, taxi driver on notes from the underground, Dostoevsky's book, but that was his reference point. But he was just he was conscious of I'm gonna pioneer, I'm gonna do something different with it. That was his basis, but he went and then eventually you had people who were during let's call it the Flintstones era and Flintstones live action, John Goodman and Halle Berry. These cats were just making movies based on TV shows that they saw, and that was a low point from which we've never recovered because the people writing movies now are not writers, screenwriters, it's just like, okay, 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 all right, so there's an eerie force under the hill that makes everybody, yeah, whatever, stop it, stop it, so, you know, there are lots of problems with Hollywood, but the biggest problem with Hollywood, the biggest, if you look through the credits, and I always watch the credits, not just because of their, their little tape, ever since, I just, my whole life, my parents watched him, so we watched, I said, because you never know. Why? Because a man's life depends on the merest scrap of information. And I've seen stuff in the credits, like, oh, shit, I got to give dude a call. I, last time I saw him, he was an unemployed waiter. Now, dude is like director of production at Paramount. Could help. Won't hurt. Track him down. You know, my kid... I'm walking around the house and my kid's making all these noises. I go, what, what is he? What are you? I go, she's making old man noises. She's like, <laughs> I go, oh, shit. She's doing me. Okay, all right, fine. So, so Hollywood, Hollywood being dead is the framework. 
But beyond that framework, something else has happened in Hollywood that nobody's talked about this week. And I hate to go call marks on you, but um, I, I'm looking at this through the macro lens of, of class struggle. So presuming that you left this show and watched the Oscars, you know specifically what I'm talking about. Chris Rock, comedian, stands up on stage, excuse the eating. If you don't like it, beat it. Take it on the arches. And he makes a joke about G.I. Jane. Now, it's not that funny of a joke. Because I think of G.I. Jane, I think of Demi Moore, I think of Demi Moore. I think of Bruce Willis. I think of Bruce Willis. I think of aphasia. I think of that. Right, Bruce Willis will be dead soon. And I feel sad. All right. Uh, I feel sad. Now, he makes a joke. Laughter is involuntary. I don't have to tell you what happened next. Will Smith starts to laugh. Looks over at his wife, rolling rolling the eyes, and feels compelled to do something. Now, let me tell you, as a guy who slapped many a person, the most recent time being about six years ago in Belgium, Brussels to be exact, usually what happens in the Eugene Robinson slap in the face two-step is I start to have dissonance, right? I start to think like, this guy who's standing six feet from me in the audience, who's telling me uh, that I suck, um, he's entitled to his opinion. He's entitled to his opinion, but he's interrupting plangent, quiet music that nobody bought a ticket to hear, bought a ticket to hear. And what I hadn't realized is that what had happened is Kasha had come out and done one song as she did one song on this record with Sal, uh, Sal Mineo, or as the Italians say, Sal Mineo, with Jamie Stewart from Juju. And this guy had a thing with women on stage. He didn't like it. So he was pitching shit at her, which I didn't process. And it it, it rolled over to, to me. And so I, 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 she leaves the stage, and I'm singing, and he's commenting on something. And I go, now would be a good time for you to shut the fuck up. And the guy keeps jawing at me. And I was like, oh, okay. You want to be part of the show? So I step off the stage and I step up to the guy. And, I, you know, when you, stages are deceiving too, because this is the thing. You step off the stage, you realize one, how high the stage is, which means that two, after you get off the stage, you realize how tall everybody is. And you also do the factor that, much like the Russian army, there's no going back. <laughs> it's You're not scrambling back on that stage if you get in trouble. So it's siempre en derito. So I'm standing there and I said to the guy, if you keep this up, this is going to go one way. So let's just get to it now. Is it your desire that I strike you? These are my exact words. The guy spoke English well enough. There are five languages that people speak in Belgium. He spoke English well enough. He said to me, do what you got to do. 
Now, if you watch Crime Faces, you know he always gives you, he, when you're in jaw crack range, is, which is what uh, AC calls it, uh, when you're in jaw crack range, he always describes this as the timid look away. Um, listen, usually in those situations, if Oxbow is involved, I go, I can't believe in my head I'm doing this thing like, is it me? Is it him? Is it me? Is it him? Is it me? Is it him? And I'll look at the most reasonable person I think I know on stage, which is usually Nico. And the picture that I put up for this show, as well as the Substack, I had just looked at Nico. And the look on Nico's face was the trigger. Nico is my trigger. He is the most responsible person on the stage, which is not true. Okay, but I look at him. Like, I've looked at Greg before, and Greg is always like, <laughs> okay, so that's reliably. I look at Dan. Dan's looking at his base, thinking about it. He's thinking about math. I don't know what we you know. Nico, Nico is a trigger. So with the Salmoneo show, I look over at Jamie Stewart, and he's just, I can't see Kasha. So it's just me. But usually what I do is, you know, I look at, I, I do a look away, which is to me, look at Nico, the, the, the trigger. There was nobody there. So in this instance, with this guy in Belgium, I look away, I, or look to, or I don't, not quite sure. And AC from Crime Faces described as a timid look away. Nah, this is not the look away. This is like when the wild boar backs up. You think, oh, he's running away, and then he turns around. Or what grizzlies do. I see you, I see you. I'm not paying attention. I'm boom, on you. And I come back up with the slap. Pop, crack, you could hear it over the loud music. Dude was like Charlie Brown in the cartoons feet in the air it was cold out so he had a coat and stuff and he was taller than me feet up in the air shit all over the place on the floor and at this point i've got bloodlust rising inside and i'm walking toward him about to stomp and kick him into unconsciousness and uh he kind of sits up on one elbow and he's clearly not in his right mind says no violence no violence which actually struck my funny bone. Um, there's one fight of me beating up a guy in D.C. And it was on YouTube, and I contacted the guy who put it up and said, hey, bro, <laughs> um, I love this new internet age, but I got to stay employed. <laughs> I just can't. I can't have a potential employer thinking that this is going to be the way I handle myself in the workplace, so please. And he pulled it down. And I have a copy here somewhere. I've been waiting to put it out um, when I retire. <laughs> um, so uh, there is video. There is video. Um, because the, the night degraded into, at one point, there's a guy filming. And I said, put your fucking camera down. And the guy keeps filming. Don't act like you don't understand English. Universal sign. So I soccer kick his phone across then he starts ripping off his bag and finally the bouncers are activated and come over and they say to the guy what are you doing and the guy says he wants to fight me i will fight him <laughs> it's quiet music i can hear him and everybody kind of laughed including me at that point it's like listen pops I, your bravery is misplaced in this instance you're about to get really fucking hurt but at least i was back in my conscious mind so he makes a joke gi jame Involuntary response, Smith laughs, and then he turns to his wife. Now, people say Shaq has come out, small penis Shaq has come out, 
If you watch a show before, you know I'm not lying. That's just the designator on the show. Based on stories I've told on other shows, I don't want you to down a shillelagh me on my own show. So we'll leave out the story from another time. And if you remind me before, dude, before the end of the show, I'll tell you the John Legend story. So, and his wife is not laughing. His wife. Hmm. You know what? There's certain things you don't do if you're in a relationship. If you're a woman, you know what you don't do? Let's go back to the Godfather part one. That scene in Godfather part one, where Sonny's wife is bragging to her friends about the size of Sonny's cock, you do not do this if you're a woman. Why? If you have a desirable male that you are connected to, you don't tell your friends about how, how exactly desirable he is. You don't do that. Most women instinctively know that. They don't trust their friends as far as they could fucking throw them. How do I know? Have a pool party at your house if you got a pool. If you were to look from, get the God's eye view and look above them and could track the motions of people in that house during the course of that, you, if your woman has any instinct of, 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 of uh, uh, matrimonial instinct, you will watch that she is not further than 10 feet from you. Oh, who wants to be in a relationship like that where you have to, oh, stop it. If you got a sexist relationship where nobody wants you, okay, yeah, yeah, fine, fine, fine. Okay. Yeah. Now, let's take a side route into Pete Davidson. Ah, you didn't see that coming, did you? Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson, what does he have to do with it? Pete Davidson, Ariana Grande dumped him. Under normal terms, this if you look at like stocks, this ruins the man's market value. Of course, you get C and D list women who now want to be with you because they can make the status conferral connection to, 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 to Grande, who I have no idea what she does. But she didn't just dump him. She didn't just dump him. She dumped him and told the world that Pete Davidson has a large penis. Now, a friend of mine and his girlfriend were always in the foursomes. And she they would always end up in tears because she would start negotiating with the other women about the foursome. And she would say, I'm a size queen. And the other woman would say, me too. But the other, if the other woman shows up and her man's got a five-incher, and my friend's woman said, he size women weren't specific. You got a nine-incher against a five-incher, somebody's feeling robbed. It wasn't like she was jealous. She was feeling robbed. See where I'm going with this? Ariana Grande gave Pete Davidson the biggest gift ever, told the world, that doesn't mean he knows how to use his penis. But it's a fucking start. Jada, on the other hand, told the world, told the world that he was lousy in bed. You know, last time a woman did this to me, you know how old I was? I was 19. <laughs> 19 years old, you know? And the, the the specific event that the woman described, I was in my room at 19. She climbed through my window. I was not expecting her. She climbed through my window and began 
to have sex with me. Right? Um, as a man, you learn if you know you're going to have sex with Congress later on, maybe you might prepare for it. It's all about titration, right? It's all about measuring the dosage. You, you might have masturbated early on to get very specific, just so that you time to completion is a little bit longer. So I blow my load a little too soon. Sorry to get very medical with you. She goes, great. She leaves my room I, and goes to the party. I was living, I was a boarder in a fraternity then. Leaves my room and goes to the party and proceeds to tell my friends at the party that Eugene is lousy man. <laughs> I think specifically that he was a selfish lover. Ah, ah, yeah, you know, it's like you got to live with that. But, you know, this is not somebody that I was with for years. The woman that he's married to for years says he's lousy in bed. Now, let's let's back up a bit. Let's, let's back up a bit. As you well know, I got fired off of a job, uh, I don't think you know this, unless you're a real fan of the show. You don't know. I got fired off a job. I was co-writing a book on Hugh Hefner with a guy who worked for, graduated from UCLA or USC and started working for Hugh Hefner as his facilities guy and worked for Hefner for 40 years, lost his virginity at the Playboy Mansion. I wanted to talk about it. And so we're going through it. And as I'm working, as I'm working on this book with this guy, I had this stunning realization all right. Hefner started Playboy magazine in the early 50s. Now that's somewhere in there. Maybe 50, I don't know, 57. I don't remember. And he only died a few years ago. So we're talking fundamentally 60 years. In that time, out of all the women that the dude slept with, we're talking about Hugh Hefner now. Not a single woman talked about how good in bed he was. Not a single one. Not a single one. So, a guy has 60 plus years where fucking is his business and he still has managed to convince no one that business is good. Is that an accident? No, it's not an accident. Hugh Hefner didn't want to get good. A certain amount of that is Hollywood, where nobody's going to tell him he's bad. But if you're looking, you know. If you're not looking, you don't know. And if you don't look, it's because you don't care. Uh, yeah. I don't think those NDAs are about. Now, I, I tried to explain to people. They were like, oh, you're in a band. You know, you, you must get a lot of sex with Oh, no. Only reason you think that's exciting is because you never thought about it. Or you've thought about it, but you've never contemplated doing it in reality. Let's look at it this way. Let me, as a guy in a band, let me tell you the greatest disincentive to going down groupie road. You have to get up at six in the morning to get to the next gig. You get up, you load your gear out, get in, maybe have some crappy gas station coffee or tea or whatever. You get to the club around one in the afternoon, you load all the gear in, you don't have a roadie. Or in our case, we had a roadie, but he had a back problem. 
you load your stuff in, you do sound check, you get some crappy backstage lunch, you do the show, maybe you have a few hours to clean up, get your show clothes on, you do the show. If you're headlining, you're, you're t- so two in the morning, you're done. So that means you've had four hours of sleep. You just did a two-hour show. Somebody picks you up from the show. Mm-hmm. So somebody picks you up from the show. You go, cool, I'm going to get laid tonight. And you go back with wherever they come to your room. You go with them. You to have sex. You've had four hours of sleep. You just did a two-hour show. You're stinking like a pig. And not only that, you know that you're not just having sex with this one person. You're having sex with everybody in this town who went to the show. So you got to be good. <laughs> because people are going to say, oh, did you go to the, 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 the show last night? And they'll say, yeah. In fact, I did it, did it. with." And then, you know, uh, they say, oh, how was it? Yeah. So now, now you're talking record sales, T-shirt sales. The downfield ramifications are heavy. And then think about that, did you? <laughs> so how can you be faithful on the road? Easy. <laughs> yeah. You know those cats who stand up on stage and they do that light swinging music. It's a little bit of a different thing. Okay, I digress. Told the whole world to do this lousy in bed. Now, why would you do that? Why would you do that? My them appearing on my radar was when I was editor in chief of Code Magazine in Los Angeles, a magazine that was a competitor to GQ was for a fashion magazine. For they figured out that sixty-two percent of the readers of GQ were men of color, so it seemed like a solid business model for Larry Flint to jump into. And and yeah, and of course. Of course she doesn't like him. She does not like him. I mean, at some point, uncomfortably, you're in the same... Look, Nate Diaz said it best. There was a cat, and I'm not going to talk about who it was, who came to 209 the train with those guys. Nate, Nick, and Jake, and Gil. He was in one of their weight divisions in the same fight organization. They were rolling together, and the guy refused to tap. They broke his fucking arm. And whoever did the arm breaking, I'm not going to, this is not, that's not what that's about. Said, what are you, <laughs> you're not going to roll into my house and not tap. And we're in the same division, same weight class. Was it same fight organization? No. She was the worst part of the new matrix. I was shocked at how bad she was. Cause I never noticed that she was bad before. Uh Um, so, you know, you, I can't think of any circumstance in which I criticize the sexual performance of a partner that I'm currently with on a national forum. Nah, this, these are not the actions or the activities of a friend. And at a certain point, they talk about familiarity, breeding contempt. It does. She's at how, at the, hey, you haven't been in that situation, have you? Right. Where you, where your partner just gives up in in, in an angry, angry frame of mind is like, you know, yeah, there's Mister Fabulous over there, fuckhead. <laughs> Everybody loves dude, yeah, whatever. 
So, and they've already displayed themselves to be of weak mind with the whole flirtation with Scientology. But the gossip I got when I was at Code was that they had it went to threesomes, but specifically threesomes that involved that involved other women. Now, let me give another sideline. You dudes out there who have never had sex with two women at once, I know you're in the movies and you think that stuff is great. It's not great. Okay, it's a lot of work. You know, it's like it's like a lot of other things that might seem great. But when you actually do them, you realize, oh, my God, it's a lot of work. And if you should be unlucky enough to have two sisters, and I don't mean African-American women in this instance, I mean blood-related women, they're not going to mess around with each other. So you got a room full of people waiting on you. Nah, 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 nah. You didn't think it through. Nah, nah. You didn't think it through. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's helped if the women are into each other, because then you get a sigh, you get a breather. Yeah, and it, it's a battle, it's it's a minefield. It is a you spend too much time, and God forbid you should be connected to one of the women, and then the, the second woman is a is a, the then you got so technically the Smiths were into this is my first understanding that through the gossip mill, L.A. gossip mill, African American uh, 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 entertainment professionals, very small. Hence the small penis Shaquille. You got, oh, great. She's into women. We'll have women in. Oh, that was a trap. That was a trap. That's like my eye guard in jujitsu. It's a a trap. If a guy who's a, a brown belt is suddenly dropping his, your side control, dropping his legs, so he's flat on the ground, he's inviting you to take the mount because he's going to reverse you. It's a trap. Do not do not be taken in by this trap. Anyway, it, unless you have feelings of repressed homosexuality or you're concerned about the size of your penis, it is much better to have the, the guy, guy, girl, guy, as long as dude stays over there, you know, no guy trying to high five you. Hey, bro, hey, hey, cut it out. Why don't you deal with your end of the things here, right? Don't be trying to high. Hey, let's do an Eiffel Tower. Hey, 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 hey. You stay over there. Do your thing. And that way, I'm in a movie and I'm watching a movie. Perfect. You can relax a bit, lay back. It's all on him. He blows it. Nah, you can come into the rescue. It's great. That, uh, But I digress. <laughs> So, so she's like, oh, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Wonderful. So she gives him the eye roll. And at that point, what I, if I am him, what I do is I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. It was, it was funny. (laughs) You know, I love you anyway, but this is a relationship between equals. That's, that's not what they have. And usually I find celebrities, celebrity men who will fuck anything do better than celebrity women who won't fuck anything and are, are beset by paranoia, right? Because they're not going to go out with under normal circumstances. Woman, ah, I met this guy. He's cute. What does he do? Ah, he's a plumber. He's got a plumbing business. That's right. You know, listen, listen. You know, you're not your celebrity. You know, I'm going to go with a plumber. The closest guy who got was John Peters. Who people went out with, and he was a celebrity hairdresser. And then he made the jump into producer. And the only reason he made the jump into producers is because somebody said, I don't want to go out with a hairdresser. So they made him a producer. And then he did well and he got bumped up. 
So women have fewer choices. So in this instance, you know, we're equals here. We're okay. Uh, yeah, well, there was another guy. There was another guy. Not I, Jake Steed. I didn't know he did jujitsu, but there's an Aaron something who fought in the UFC early on, and he was he, he was uh, he was terrible. It's like he got confused with the MMA with the porn, and it was like, bro, no, no, none of us are watching this porn because of you. Shut the fuck up. He's making more noise than the woman, the audio component of, you know, pornography. It's like, yeah, I like to hear the women, like the vocalizing. I said, well, you grunting and groaning, stop it. So, Will, not only is it not a relationship of equals, but you have somebody who has open antipathy for you. And God knows what happens in the household. So you got to do something. So you get up on stage and you smack, smack dude in the face. Now, now Rock himself makes you know my mother has an unusual take if you read the substack has an unusual take on rock which she's kind of made over the years i haven't really listened she finally made it so i listened i don't say i agree but i listened so rock makes the same mistake that i made for the, maybe the first four years of my life when i was losing fights a guy starts to walk up on me and we've been having words i don't at this point now i have it hardwired in so i tell a guy about 10 feet away Anything you got to say, I can hear from here, which lets him know that if you come closer, I'm going to understand it as an act of act of fucking war and attack. Right. Like the guy in Brussels who, when I stepped down off the stage and step into his face, which was a way to make sure he didn't reach for anything that he didn't that he didn't get off first. He should have known it was coming. He's walking up on him. He's like, uh-oh. Why? Because he's a fucking company guy. And now I'm owning in on my point. I don't know what a devil's threesome is. Right? Leave it in the comments. Because people on SoundCloud hate when I make when I reference the comments because they can't see them. They just hear me talk about stuff that they can't see. Somebody said, how about devil's threesomes? I don't remember what that is. So he sees dude walking up on him. He's uh-oh. And he slaps, he goes, oh, I just slapped it. Uh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Any relation is kind of weird. But anyway, so, um, and I was fine with that. I was fine with that, with the slap. I didn't turn on him. And he goes, oh, I just got the shit slapped out of me. Like, this is the greatest night in TV history. And he went on. And then, then they both take the hundred foot cliff dive into total stupidity. If Smith had just returned to his seat and sat there, it's like, bitch, I did what I was supposed to do. Get off my back. He sits there and enjoys it. But then he starts, he starts uh, 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 giving the rebop to the stage. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. You give me the, give me the mouth. And then Chris Rock says, I will. Okay. Oh. You died. That was a moment and you died. And that was a moment in which I turned against them all. When Oxbow was nominated for a BAMI, Bay Area Music Award, we were up against High on Fire, and who are friends of ours, and some other band I don't remember, the <clears throat> best Bay Area heavy metal group. I took a bunch of fighters to the show, one being uh, Damien uh, Norkbosch from, uh, from Conjo Gear. And when they announced the winners, there was a, 
I mean, Damien had no intention of wanting to spend the whole evening there. So he figured out, unbeknownst to me, that he was going to work on a grand exit plan. Exactly, Timbo. That's where I'm going with this. And his grand exit plan was go, this is fucking bullshit. Knocked over the place setting, flipped over the table, stalked out. I was supposed to follow him. But, you know, these guys were friends of mine. And I had to sit there and they're like, eh. And I kind of sat there and somebody moved the table back and I kind of picked up my glass and put it back. It just, I acted like nothing happened. That, that was the best solution. But at that point, I, I was aware of the fact how many times I've been in situations like when Oxbow played with with uh, 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 King Diamond or with the, when we played with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, where the socially acceptable thing is that the show must go on and everybody sucks the cock of the establishment and they play along. And in every one of those situations, I kind of got to that line and I go, you know what? Today is the day. In the case of uh, King Diamond, like, like Hercules chained to the columns, I yanked down the PA stacks. These 10 foot high PA stacks, crashed them down to the floor, kicked the wedges into the audience. I was justified. Club owner said, your set's 20 minutes. I go, well, we'll leave now. Because... Uh, on the contract that says 30 minutes. So, and we have a set scheduled for 30 minutes, planned for 30 minutes. I'm not going to argue with you. I don't even play. He goes, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, play your 30 minute set. At 20 minutes, they cut the power. They lied to me in my face and they fucked up. Actual total disrespect for the artist. I flipped out, screwed the mics. I see the bouncers running up the sides. You know, stand for football players. I roll, I unroll the mic stand from the base. I'm using it like a lightsaber. And then the guys are, put it down. I put, I go, oh, oh, you, this is the difference. I threw the stick down. I was like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they, then they call the cops. And I see the cops running down the stage with the, with the guns drawn. I was like, okay, okay. How long did it take? How compared to letting us finish the one song we had? or two songs for 10 minutes, you know, to finish out the last 10 minutes. How long would it have taken? 10 minutes? 10 minutes? After the riot and the police showing up with the guns drawn, how long did that take? That was like an hour. And then of course, then King Diamond comes out on all that shit. When people, when you just push it, like they say in Apocalypse Now, don't get out the boat unless you want to go all the way. And then King Diamond comes out with like the fake, upside down crosses and a naked woman draped across a satanic altar and it just seemed like but the audience i could see was like it was just you could real fucking fantasy and so there's a certain benefit in in getting to that point getting to that point when you're out of the boat and going all the way so from either side of the equation i'm looking at at, 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 at will smith i'm like flipping the fucking table over i'm running up on stage you're having to pull me off of him then i'm fighting with the people who are fucking pulling me off i'm kicking down the little the little the, the podium i'm screaming all kinds of repro retrograde shit you must i'll kill you your mother and then they drag me out of there into the arms of the police and that's how they put me in the police car and then the next day or a couple of days after when they interview me on you know um no, no, no. <laughs> no, when the cops show up, when the cops show up, that's game over. The cops show up with guns drawn. You kind of go, okay. The cop, the cop came up to me on stage and says, you're finished. I go, okay. <laughs> In fact, as I see them walking down toward me with their guns drawn, 
I start putting my clothes on because <laughs> I'm anticipating going to jail. And I don't want to go to jail in my underwear, which is what I happen to be wearing at the time. In both cases with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and King Diamond. So Will Smith, a couple of days later, I appear on TMZ and they say, Will, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I was only arrested once. That's what I was just saying. I was expected that I was going to be arrested for the riot, but they just they didn't want you out of the club. They didn't want you. They didn't want it. I see the cops with guns. I start to get dressed because of that. if I get arrested, then I want to be have clothes on. So, um, so next day, Will Smith appears on TMZ and he says, "Is <laughs> a terrible misunderstanding," uh, or cheese ball. I had too much to drink. Huh? Who among us hasn't had too much to drink? God, you know. Da, 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 da. And everybody, you could preserve your nice guy, but you know, he thought it was his night, so he was I didn't vibe a little bit. And now it's a tearful apology, the tearful non-apology. He, he, he will packers, he leave it out. Weeds, weeds, micro. I don't give a shit about that. Because if I'm if I'm Chris Rock, I was like, all right, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Even if you lose, you you know how many times that you know size means nothing if you know mma you know everything about it right so i'm chris rock i throw the shit down let's boom 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 i'm going brooklyn on you you know or alternatively you hit me and you go back to your seat and i look over at jade i go hey babe give me a call no no you baldy give me a call <laughs> wax on wax off you know will you come up again you gotta hit me again if you think hitting me is a way to get better in bed you're, you're welcome to try. <laughs> I'm I'm doubling down. I'm going crazy. But everybody routinely were like, oh, my God. And they did the establishment thing. They did the establishment thing. They, they did Because they, everybody wants a show to go on. And that show, what? Transformers, what? So what are we what are we talking about? AI practice practice hollywood is a garbage scowl and and i'm not making a claim for you know foreign films foreign art films you know joe queenan decided he he heard all that stuff about you know, hollywood blockbusters versus foreign films he goes for a month he was going to do nothing but every day there was some film festival in new york every day he was going to go to the most obscure art film he could find joe queenan made it through four before he lost his fucking mind that means he had like 26 other days to go. He says he's watching movies about polar bears. He's got the, 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 the yeah, Hollywood is in the lost battalion, man, because they don't know it. And they can blame it on everything they want. They can blame it on TikTok. They can blame it on reels. They can blame it on cord cutting. They can blame it on, on uh, uh, what is the other thing? Uh, um, um, not cord, uh, 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 streaming, they could blame it on all those things, but the reality of it is, it's become a job that people who are not particularly talented are attracted to, and it happens. It works in cycles. All the really talented people say, "Fuck, I think I can best express myself through rock and roll." I'm gonna do rock and roll. I went to art school, David Bowie, but I think this is the way to have an artistic impact. Start doing rock and roll. Art school, talking heads, RISD, they went to RISD, art school. 
but decide to exert themselves in music. And typically, you know, the people deciding to make a go in film, the very few of them do so with an understanding of, of them as artists. Lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. So uh so I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed with with both of them. My mother's take, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with it. She describes Chris Rock as a white man's nigger. And um she she looked at him from a, a class perspective as a scab and a strike breaker back from the Oscar So So White uh, movement in 2016. And she said, he said, first thing he Nobody would cross this kind of invisible picket line. He crossed it. And what's the first thing he does when he gets on stage at the Academy? He tells a joke about the Smiths. Now, I don't know that my mother has any great love for the Smiths, but um, but she didn't she didn't she didn't like that. And we talked about it on Care Don't Care. And uh, we talked about Kai Kara France segue into MMA. And the, uh, Steph and John were wrong, said they were owning up for being wrong for picking him the last fight. And they want to know why I had picked them. And I said, listen, you got to understand, if you don't know the, the bullying the bullying piece of Kai Kara France, you don't know what I'm about to say has any great weight at all. But the reality of it is, people who are bullied, it, it does something to your DNA. All right? Now, in my, in my specific in, in, instance, I was like, that's never going to happen again. And I have not been without a weapon since then. It is rare for me. Like I told Steph and John on the show, uh, yeah, exactly. GSP is another example. I, I, if you see me walking around my house in my underwear, I'm still strapped. Still strapped. I might have a knife clipped to my underwear. That's never, never going to be taken unawares again. So I'm externalizing the, 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 I'm externalizing my response is an external one, exterior one to, to the threat that led me to be bullied. Chris Rock and the woman who used to play bass, who, uh, who I got friendly with for a time, woman who used to play bass for Prince, same thing. She's an African-American woman. Her parents were super high achieving. They were both like, actually one, her mother was a heart surgeon. Her father was a brain surgeon. And they were like, nah, we've, we're on the come up here. We're going to send our daughter. They were in Michigan, where they were somewhere in the Midwest, Minneapolis, maybe. And they said, we're going to send our daughter to the best school, best school. Right. Um, um, and so they did. And she knew that her parents had scraped and, and suffered to get to get her in that school. And so she didn't want to complain. But she said, I fought every single day, every single day. And my sisters, my, my father's daughters, um, he just when he got divorced from his second wife, he decided he wanted to buy a ranch house out in Olney, which was only Maryland, which was a farm community. So he took his two daughters he took him away from his second wife, his two biracial daughters, <laughs> and he had them go to the school that only is not like that now, but back in the 70s was where they had the same. And it breaks my heart. His oldest daughter, my my oldest younger sister, um, he, uh, she, I remember her being this kind of bright, ebullient kid 
And then we were out of touch. The family was out of touch. We, my father disowned me, but then as an adult woman, she kind of got back to me. And so this bright firecracker of a kid is, comes back and I see she's this heavily suppressed, very quiet. I mean, clearly in my mind, signs of, of, of a, a PTSD. It's like, why would you fucking take these beautiful kids and put them in this school where every day people are fucking with them, fucking with them and fucking with them? As a big brother, it pains me. I, I, I wished I could have done something. So Chris Rock, his parents say, oh, you're going to go to the school. I took that test. Um, um, I, I took that test. I forget what it's called. All Catholic school tests. You take one test and you get into all the good, all the Catholic high schools in New York, all boys, military schools. And so I, Xavier, I took it at Xavier. And I remember, which was out in Bensonhurst, the Bay Ridge, and all these kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, cousins who decided they wanted to give their kids a little discipline and send these kids to your schools. And there were like two or three black kids there. But I've always been a biggish kid. And I've always been nuts. So I never had these problems. The guy who, who bullied me did so as an act of retribution because I had attacked a friend of his. <laughs> it took me years to figure this out. <laughs> So he wasn't really systematically bullying me. He just picked a day where he got me alone in, in, in order to revenge, which is funny, his friend that I attacked and beaten up for no reason, he and I became really good friends later. It's just the way boys were. But this creep changed my life. He is a gangster now, lives in Jersey. So Chris Rock, I could see internalize that shit. You could see it because I guarantee you, they're all I. Nobody within the sound of my voice right now is rolling with a shot. Okie dokie in it. We're not. We're just not cut out that way. You don't always. The last time I sucked it up, I wrote about was with a, a mafia enforcer guy in a basement in a gym in in in, in John Gotti's neighborhood out on the in, uh, Ridgewood, Ridgewood, Queens, in the border between Brooklyn and Queens. The guy was having a roid rage. He was 260, 255 pounds, and I was 16. Guy said, one more peep out of you, and I'll fucking kill you. He said as he waved a 100-pound plate around. It, it bothers me to this day. The guy said, one more peep that I didn't go, peep. <laughs> nah, bro. I'm sitting here doing this show because I didn't do that. This It's not even any question. It's not even any question that the, uh, the attack would have ensued. The question is, how much damage could I have absorbed? And I made a decision. I was going to, at 16, I was 155 pounds. Nah, man. Run away to live and live another day. That was a-okay. My training partner says that. I said, why don't you say something? I go, why don't you say something? He goes, he wasn't talking to me. <laughs> I said, good point. Good point. Hey, I, I don't. That was an instructive moment. Now, there have been other moments, like when fighting the, the three cousins out in Brooklyn right before I got to Stanford, where I didn't keep my mouth shut because I thought I had a fighting chance. Didn't. But I thought I did.
So, uh, so anyway, you know, this is uh, both these people made the establishment call. And if that's a dick that you want to suck, have at it. Have at it. Fuck you both. I I haven't seen a Will Smith movie in years and I haven't watched uh, 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 anything that Chris Rock has done in years. So it's precisely because of people like me, I guess, that they both took the suck. Good luck to you. But my man, you're married to a problem. It's not a solution. It's a problem. The kids are grown, making their own paycheck. What are you doing there? You love her? Here, once again, we call this callback. I'm making the universal sign of a hand jerking off. I love apple pie, man. I'm trying to marry it. I do better marrying apple pie than to do with a woman who clearly, clearly hates me. Because she was laughing at the slap. You can't. You can't have known that that was that that was suicidal. Suicidal. <laughs> Career-wise prospects, suicidal. Pointless and suicidal. So whatever we said on the care don't care. The next fight has got fourteen fights on the card. I think John cared about nine. John and Steph cared about nine, and I cared about eight. That makes it a good call. Um, yeah, man. Nobody was feeling Daredevil and picking Zombie against Volkanovski. Nobody. Nobody. But that's not the fight on the card, right? That's not the fight on the card. And I have to tell you, frankly, the fight on the card is not even really Petrion against uh, Aljamain Sterling. I'll be very surprised if Sterling wins. And I actually don't want him to win. I'm picking Jan to win. But the fight on the card is, of course, Burns and and uh, uh, Hamsat. We can't lose. We can't lose with this fight. We can't lose with this fight because if Hamsat wins, dude is is one one step away from a title shot. If Burns wins, that birthday cake has got a big stinking shit in the middle of it. And boy, do I love seeing, to mix a metaphor, hype trains derailed. Yeah, Mr. Is has got something. And I said at the end of this segment, this show debuts noon tomorrow. You're getting an early taste of it now. I said, let's not jinx it. Let's not talk too much about it. But there are lots of ways that we could have misery on our hands come Sunday morning. Their DQs, their injuries... There, there are lots of, let's just hold your breath. Just hold your breath. The fight get done. There are lots of, there are freak injuries, there are freak accidents, there's drug tests, there's weight misses, there's all kinds of, there's COVID. It is not fair complete. But that's the fight. And, and the point I was trying to make, Steph saved me, is that the, the whole card, the smartest guy in that card, you're not going to like this. I mean, you might not care, but you, you're not going to believe this. Gilbert Burns. Any which, that the, the R&B song from the set, everywhere I choose, I lose. No, everywhere he chooses, he doesn't lose. He doesn't. Burns took short notice, took a top guy, showed himself to have stones, if he loses, how he loses, he still wins. 
if he went, he, he just did a calculation and it's just basic math. His calculation was what? I stand more by picking it. I stand, it's a wash. If I take a fight and lose this fight, I still am not worse off than if I don't take the fight. If I take this fight and win the fight, the world is mine. It's a calculation that's worthwhile to make and I can't lose. Whoa, whoa, whoa. what? Whoa, what happened? What happened? Whoa, no, 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 no. Mr. EB, you're joking, right? This is like some holdover April Fool's joke. Hamza is not out, right? We didn't lose that fight, did we? I, I feel I feel a weird uh, thing in my chest. You you're fucking kidding me. Oh god damn it. There you go, man. There you go. There you go. There you go. Never mind. Dustin, who gives a shit? You know what? I sh foreshadowing, foreshadowing, um, yeah, foreshadowing, I have to say, when I saw that quote from DC about how those, but Comsat and Till shouldn't be, keep some mystery going, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Well, you, yeah, it's bringing me down. I don't, I, you know what? I don't even, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know. You know, I'm going to make believe, I'm going to believe like every other I'm just going to do like America does in total. I'm just going to believe that everything's all right. Okay. Anyway, the show is done, but the kid is sleeping now. So I'm going to end it. Read the Substack. The Substack is called Look What You Made Me Do. And I say, taking stock of Chris Rock's cock. Uh, I sound punch drunk. Hey, you know what? I have an offer for you, Mr. Bob Trotter. <laughs> you know what my offer is? I offer you. At any time you're choosing, you're welcome to have at it. Both my left testicle and my right testicle. And you can gargle with them or juggle them in your mouth. <laughs> Man, I'll give you half an hour or until they're clean. It is your call. And I'm doing this because I'm a friend. I'm a friend. <laughs> so Twitter, yes, yes, in that in that order, in that order for half an hour and until they're clean. So anyway, the kid is sleeping. I can't scream. Uh, look what you mean to do. Check out the Substack. Uh, Monday afternoon, you got uh, 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 the care don't care. Tuesday night, Kid Nate is back on if the shoes fit. Um, this last week, we had Chelsea Wolf on Wong Duty, the live five. Um, this week we got, uh, we start Earth Day is in, in, in April. So we're going to start doing stuff that's focused on Earth Day. So stay tuned. Uh, if you follow me on at Eugene S. Robinson on the Twitter machine, I tweet this stuff out. You'll see it. Gastelum is out. Okay. That I, that I can deal with. Um, and, uh, uh, otherwise let's, let's hope that everything works. Okay. For next Sunday. I can't, I can't handle any, any, any disturbances in the matrix i can't handle it. i can't handle it so this is version two. Oh, i could just do this two ten of the eugenius robinson uh eugenius robinson show stopper and uh, uh we'll see you next week 
Look what you made me do. Don't die.